Coaches Chat. I'm your host, Betsy Foster, personal trainer for over 12 years. I started on a completely different career path and headed into personal training with just a piece of paper that said I could do it. I learned along the way, building a successful personal training career in commercial gyms, privately and remotely. And now I'm here to help you, whether you're a new grad, a career changer, or somebody who's already a pro just looking to get better. I'm sharing what I know, the stuff the textbooks didn't teach you, and bringing on other colleagues to share their experiences. And I'm doing it with compassion, big smiles, and a lot less bravado than you've come to know in the fitness industry. I'm happy you're here. Let's get going. Hello, hello. Welcome back to another episode of Coaches Chat. Betsy here, excited to talk to you today. Um, Maybe a little apprehensive, but honestly, I'm pretty free with sort of embarrassing stories. I'm not, I don't hide them too much. Sometimes in the world of, you know, establishing your expertise, you're encouraged to Um, Always speak about your strengths, always speak about your triumphs. And for me, so much of what I learned early on as a trainer came from making mistakes. And those mistakes happened because training education just isn't comprehensive to the things that oftentimes mean the most and are most effective in personal training. So we learn a lot about, you know, the basis of exercise physiology. We learn about um, biomechanics. You learn about exercise prescription. You learn about those sort of basic principles that guide what you will do in training. But then a lot of the practical elements are left out. I think a lot of practical programming is left out. And then tons of practical real life human relationship building, as well as managing people's emotions, managing people's expectations. And I don't want to say managing emotions like I'm telling you that you need to tell somebody how to feel or help somebody feel a certain way. But there are aspects to what coaching really is, which is so much about that relationship and so much about navigating change and navigating difficult situations that just isn't included in any of this kind of personal training preparation stuff. So most, some of the most valuable lessons I got were in mistakes. And I did an episode just recently that was all about those um, lessons that I think you should learn quickly. I thought, well, I I have some good stories about my first year as a personal trainer, first year as a full-time personal trainer in a commercial gym that I think could be really helpful. One, to say that I was in a wildly different place 10 years ago than I am now, and that is normal. That's to be expected, and we can gather information from that. And what I'm trying to do with my whole business is to help that first part go a little faster get through those lessons quicker, give you tools where you don't have to learn those lessons necessarily in a heightened moment with a paying customer, things like that. Um, that That's the aim of what I'm doing. So 
I think it's sometimes helpful to hear that people who you may see, and you may or may, I'm maybe putting words into your mouth, but you may see someone who has a lot of confidence around training, a lot of self-assuredness around working with clients, around working with new clients or um, clients that have been, that I've been with for a long time, confidence and self-assuredness when it comes to sort of asserting my knowledge with my clients or with or with potential clients or with other colleagues, that was not always the case for me. And that is something I really cherish because it, it reminds me that we can all grow in this way. We can all learn. So I picked out three of my most embarrassing, and I'm specifically talking about, these aren't just like lessons. They're like actually embarrassing stories to me about my first year working in a commercial gym. So Let's get into it. First one, and I think this is one that maybe other people have had, maybe not to the degree that I had this story, but I think it's helpful and a reminder that we probably need to cover this a little bit better, but I was working on the floor. So I I got, let me rewind for a second, got my personal training certification two years before I began working as a full-time personal trainer. Why? Because I didn't know how you actually make this job work. And if you've listened to my podcast before, you've heard the through line of people wanting to help people, people having their own health and fitness transformation, their own moment with exercise and the power that training has, getting a personal training certification because they think this could be the right job, and then not doing anything with it because there isn't a lot of guidance in terms of how we make this into a career. There's not a lot of consistency across the board between what the job expectations are in certain places. You really all only have to take an, a course through a textbook and a test. So there's there's definitely, if you're, if you're a critical thinker and if you're someone who wants to feel confident in their skill set before they ask someone to pay them to provide this skill set, this service, um, then you definitely probably had pause about just going with your certification and working with clients. So two years into having a personal training certification, I got a job at a commercial gym. And part of your onboarding process is to have shifts on the floor. So this these floor shifts, you're getting paid a base rate. Um, I think it was minimum wage at the time. So you're getting minimum wage. You're working four-ish hour shifts um, five times a week. And honestly, you're there to help members with questions. You're there to um, clean up a little bit. Like if things are left out, you're there to have your face sort of present in the gym. And then you're there to prospect for personal training clients. So you can offer help. You can offer advice. Um, you may want to listen to my episode on offering unsolicited advice if if you would if you're thinking about that, but that's sort of the role that you have in that moment as a personal trainer. And then as you acquire clients, you drop your floor hours until you have a full schedule of personal training clients. Where I was training, the expectation was that you were aiming to have your full schedule at 90 days. For most people, it was more like six months, but 
So I don't know how many months I'm into here, maybe two months or so. I have one of these floor shifts that's kind of like the worst time, which was the gym closed at 10, so I had a 6 to 10, which between 6 and 8 is like it's bustling in there. Um, But the challenge is, is if you don't want to work from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. in that setting, then those aren't great prospecting hours because honestly, the hours... The, the people who show up between six and eight probably want to work out between six and eight and they'd want a trainer from six to eight. So, you know, we could talk a little bit about that at another point, but I was at that like 8.30, nine o'clock time. You're kind of watching the clock tick, not a ton of people coming in and not a ton of people who are really interested in personal training because they're, most of the people coming in at nine o'clock to the gym are so serious about this that they may have their own agenda. But again, we don't want to make assumptions because I did have a nine o'clock client one time for for a while. Anyway, young man comes in, he's benching uh, and he's doing like a bunch of sets. I see that it's a lot of weight. And then he comes up to me and asks if I can spot him on the next set. I look over and it's like 265. And I'm going to tell you at the time, I was not as strong as I am now. I was barely finding opportunities to exercise in this like really busy schedule. I was a little intimidated to exercise at the gym because it felt like all the other trainers knew all this extra stuff. So I was like, I'll just work out at home so that I don't see or I'll go for a run. Um, And we could talk about that, you know, sort of at another time too. But either way. Wasn't all that as strong as I am currently, was not all that versed in spotting techniques. So part of what spotting is, is that you're going to help, but not be fully responsible. You're also going to have good positioning on over the bar, especially on a bench press. You know, you have a setup that is ideal for you. And then you also have kind of a communication that you need to have with the lifter about what they would like to do, what number, how many sets they're um, expect, reps they're expecting to do, you know, if they want to say something, when they want help, that kind of thing. And then honestly, you want to remind the lifter that even when they're failing, they're going to continue to press as hard as they can while you add assistance. Things I didn't know, things I was not ready for. Also, I felt like I was obligated to help him because I was on the shift and I was like, he's going to get it. It's going to be fine. He sat back. I think he, I can't remember the exact moment, but he was like, I'm, I don't know how many, how many he said he was going to go for and he thinks he's going to be able to do it. And I think he did two reps. And on the third rep, he failed. And there's absolutely no way I could get that off his chest. No way. I was like bent over. He's like pushing. Luckily, a man ran from across the gym and helped us push up. He didn't even bail off the sides. Um, I don't know if he had clips on the bar. I just was like so insanely embarrassed because there it can get really bad if someone has a, a bar on their chest, like cracked ribs, cracked sternum. Um, you know, people pass away, and oh my gosh, I was like, here I am, a trainer, and I couldn't do this. I wanted to like 
crawl in a hole and hide. He was okay with it. He like didn't even, he was like, it's fine. It's fine. I should have had it, you know, but oh my gosh, was I embarrassed. And when I think back to it, part of it was like not knowing about the spotting stuff. And maybe if I'd had a more, my entrance into personal training had been more from a lifting background, I would have had a better concept of it. But even so, it wasn't like ever spoken about in a lot of my like courses or anything. And then it was this thought of like, oh, I just need to do this because I'm the trainer here. And I think what I take from that is like thinking about what you can actually do and seeing if you can get some additional help, sort of knowing your limits. So yeah, that was so, so embarrassing. I learned a lot about spotting after that. And now I feel like I can very comfortably um, spot someone and have a real direct conversation about how how to do that. And so I try to remind trainers of that. Like there's another skill that if you've got downtime, take some time to think about how you can spot. One, it's going to be something that people ask you if you're just wandering around the gym. My, I, my ego now is like, people don't ask me to give them a spot. And I'm like, come on, come on. You see how much I lift. You want me to spot you, but that's my ego as per usual. Um, okay. So that was the first one. Oh my gosh. I was so young and like, so embarrassed. Number two was my first ever session with a client. So bless her heart. She was amazing. And we trained for all the full time that I was at this gym. So just under three years. And she was my first client. She stayed that whole time. And I'm going to tell you, my training got good while I was there. But my first session, I was like, go and buy the book. So I had like, I had a map out of what my program was going to be. And then I thought, you know, number one, I'm not going to injure somebody. So I set up, it was time for her step up. She was going to like do a a super set of step ups and like a single arm cable row. It was good. It was, you know, two um, unilateral movements. It was, it was good. Except that this step that I chose was like an inch off the ground. Okay. So, you know, those steps that they use in like the Jane Fonda videos, put that out with no risers on it. This woman is a, she was maybe two or three years younger than me. So she was like 23 or at the time, totally capable, no previous injuries, a runner, um, strong. She was just like looking for weight loss and a little body comp change. And I had her on the step and then I had her doing these steps and I was walking around her like I was a scientist, like on location, looking at creatures in the wild. Like I'm down bending. I wish you could see me right now. I'm like crouching down, looking to the side, going like, "Mm, yes, yes. A little bit like playing the part of someone who is providing something that's like far beyond what I'm having her do on these like tiny, tiny step. She finishes that circuit and she's like, um, I said, how did everything feel? The steps, the step ups feel pretty easy. And I was like, oh, okay. Then I just went and got like two risers to put under. I still didn't make it high enough. And so I'm just watching her just, oh my gosh. Um, I, I, yeah. Now I, it's so cringy to me as I look, as I think back on it, because the level of sort of like concentration I was giving 
as if I was playing the role of trainer. Um, I think at the end of that one, she, she gave some feedback that was like good. Um, and she was like hoping to get a more of a push. And subsequently, I actually then I think swung my pendulum in that first year a little bit far the other way of like trying to make people feel like they were toast after a workout because that felt like it was more valuable to someone. So that was a real, you know, that from the place I want, I went from being so afraid of injury to being on the other side of the pendulum of like, if they don't feel like they're going to throw up, then like I didn't give them a heart enough. And there's something in the middle that I have found now that I absolutely love. Um, and I would say that I'm, I'm pretty good at sort of getting that, that right on the edge, but being able to come back and train hard and kind of protecting people from potential injury, though that's not, in t- I can't do that a hundred percent, but I certainly can modulate the effort so that you're working hard, but you're still able to drain. But oh my gosh, my supervisor was walking around at the time. And I think she had maybe mentioned something about it later to me about the steps. But I am laughing now because it was just like, it was so ridiculous. It was so, there were so tiny steps. I hope she didn't feel embarrassed while she was doing it. So that was uh, embarrassing story number two. And then embarrassing story number three, I think I've talked about it on here before. And it's maybe the one of the most meaningful moments in my early training career that shifted my perspective about personal training. So I got a client early on. Um, he was great. He was, you know, he was a quirky guy, but he's really, it was really nice. Um, he was coming in for weight loss and he trained twice a week and he worked hard, but he complained. And I, people say, you know, like, I'm sorry, I complained. Every client complains, so don't stress about it. Um, they're either like, you know, complainers or apologizers, um, but it's okay. Complaining is fine. Uh, and not everybody's like that, but, but you know, they're, my, the, safe, the space is safe for you to feel how you feel. You don't hurt my feelings if you're complaining about it. Um, so he was like a little complainer, which was funny. And uh, I tell this story a lot. He, he would always, like we would go to 12 reps and he'd say, oh, today I'm just going for a baker's dozen. And he, and I think he, he really meant it. And he would stop at 11. And I was just like, sir, I don't think that's how that works. Um, but that always, yeah. So he ended up in those first three months training with me, lost a lot of weight, was feeling really good, really confident, um, feeling like his best self. And so he referred his sister to me. Um, and I was so honored. Here I am very early on, and this person has had a good experience, and now they've sent a family member. And I was excited. She also had a weight loss goal. And, you know, at the time, I didn't have as as sort of nuanced feelings as I do, I should note, about sort of weight loss and weight loss goals. And I can talk a little bit about that on a whole, that's a good idea for an episode, to sort of talk about weight loss as a concept. But so that's what she was coming in for. And I was going to do a similar kind of thing. I had a good structure, given her an assessment. Um, You know, she had a few things that we needed to make sure we were addressing, but she was good to train. 
and she said, you know, that she wanted this, I could, I could kind of tell that so much of the reason that she was in there was because people had told her that she needed to lose weight and it felt so begrudging and it felt, it felt so sad to me. Like it really felt like people were telling her this thing and I didn't know if she was really bought in to the idea. She was someone who pretty regularly had frustrations and, and I would say this is like one level up from complaining. So you complain like, oh, this is hard or, oh, I don't want to do this, but you still do it. And it's a little bit of like, you know, cute banter back and forth. This was, she didn't want to be there. And with each and every like encouragement, she, she became more resistant. She was also getting really nauseous in the, in the sessions and she was unable to complete movements. And I was saying to her, like, what do you think is, you know, contributing to that? And I was like, are you eating before you come? She's like, no, I can't. I can't eat in the morning. And, and I was like, I think that's why you're nauseous. I think that, you know, part of what you've done for weight loss is you've stopped eating way early at night. You're going for a long stretch of time without food. And then and the number of calories you're taking in when you're not here is still pretty lo- drastically low too. Like we're not doing sort of a gradual decrease. Um, we're at a deficit that's like too great for you. And she was like, I can't eat in the morning. And, you know, did you hear the nuance that I just had? Like, as I was describing that, I don't think I was saying that. I was like, you have to eat in the morning. You have to eat in the morning or this isn't going to work. And I would get like so frustrated and I'd be like, there's no reason why we're doing this. If you're not going to, if you're not going to put the effort in or you're not going to eat. I'm almost like it's hard for me to hear that for myself now because I can't even picture having it. But I was, I was such a little baby. I was having a tantrum about her not doing the thing I wanted to do her to do. We would like go through the whole session in silent treatment because I was like irritated that she wasn't going to do it and that she couldn't keep up. And I thought I knew exactly why she couldn't keep up. So then I was more frustrated. She ended up stopping training with me. Um, I think she had a little success, but she stopped. And it was, it didn't take too long for me to realize, but longer than I wished that the reason that she stopped, there could be many reasons, but one of them was I was doing such a terrible job of of meeting her where she was. I was doing a terrible job of coaching real change for her. And I was doing a terrible job of letting it be a her-led experience. And what do I mean by that? I mean like, yes, she says she wants weight loss like this, but I need to find ways to key into the other aspects that she really wants. I need to have her almost be the person who's able to come up with the ideas that she's going to be able to approach because when they're coming from me, they're borrowed. And when they're coming from me, they're orders. And that's what I was doing. Rather, I was trying to tell her what she needed to do with her body when she is the only person who knows the most about her body. And there are tons of ways that I can use my knowledge to actually help her create this change without me just 
telling it at her and rather having a conversation, getting, getting deep into the, into the underlying stuff, into the things that would make this person, because each person is unique, able to accomplish this, I would be able to, to make that experience more of what she wanted. And maybe that, maybe that means that she didn't necessarily hit this goal at the timeline. But, but if we'd been having a conversation where she felt like she was being heard, where she felt like she had some autonomy, where I was honest about like, here's what results we can expect, but the most important thing is like this being the right thing for you. So if you can't eat in the morning, what are some other strategies we can do so that you feel ready for this? Do we need to train at another time? Do we need to try out some foods? Do we need to try out a liquid, some liquid calories? Do we need to eat just a little later at night so that you can train in the morning? Which of those do you feel like would be doable? Would you like to try any of those? Do I need to modulate the effort of this workout so that you can still skip eating in the morning because it's not working for you? Maybe we do, you know, 70% of what we're doing so it doesn't feel like that. And then later in the day when you're feeling more nourished, you can go for a walk and burn some additional energy. I don't know. There were just tons of ways I could have been better for her. I could have, I could have not been the I have this certification and let me tell you what you need to be doing. Like I, that's not how I coach. It's certainly not how I coach now. And I'm proud of that. And I have much better results with my clients because of that. You know, this is so much more than these like tiny little goals we're hitting with each program. It's about enriching someone's life. It's about giving someone the gift of seeing how they show up against adversity and and persevere, their own resiliency, their own strength, and like creating a meaningful relationship. And and we don't have to be best friends, but I want to be a a positive impact and a positive factor in your life. So when I think about that, I can visualize a lat pull down where we were at. And I can visualize me telling her that she just needed to have two eggs in the morning. Like, oh my God, no. Oof, oof. It's like the ghost of Christmas past. You'd go in and you'd be like, I can change, I can change. So I think that's helpful though. I think it's helpful. And 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 I certainly have missteps or I have moments with clients currently, but I can I can bounce back from that much faster. I can almost hear myself better. And I'm more apt to ask for feedback. I'm more apt in general to have those clients lead the conversation in the first place. And what I will say that I think is important about this is sometimes that means you're not the star of the show. And that can be hard for people. That can be hard for people who are want to be the trainer. But my goal is almost that what I've been doing is a little bit imperceptible to you. And you are more proud of what you've accomplished than what I've gotten you to accomplish, if that makes sense. And that can be hard. That can be hard because some days you're like, does that person not see 
by me stepping back and letting you do this, this, and this, we're where you wanted to be and we didn't have to do any of these drastic things you've been trying for years and years. But like, who wins in that? Who wins when I say, I got you there? Nobody. This is about them. This is about them. So those are my embarrassing stories. I'm sure I have more. I thought of a few things as this was going that I was like, oh, that's a good story to tell you as a lesson around this thing. So I I will probably come back with that. But if any of these resonated for you or helped you, please come say hi to me in my email inbox, Betsy at BeFosterStrong.com or DM me on Instagram. I am serious. I just want you to drop in. I want you to say hey. I want you to... um, Let me know that you're there. Let me know that you're listening because I'm so appreciative and um, I just want to connect. I just want to connect. All right. So that's my embarrassing stuff for today. Remember that episodes are now out on Tuesdays and Fridays. So got another one coming for you this week. Go do incredible things until next time. Bye.